Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder. And today we have another interview with somebody that I actually met recently online on LinkedIn through a coffee chat. And here's a plug for the coffee chat that I want to mention this because if I am connected to you on LinkedIn or if we connect in the future on LinkedIn, I am on a mission to get to know more of my connections. I think it's a little strange for all of us to like connect and then like it goes into this black hole of connections and you never remember why you connected with the person and you know nothing really about them. And so I have been on a mission this last quarter and will continue into 2023 to reach out to people for coffee chats, which is just a quick 20 to 25 get to know one another conversation. If we are connected on LinkedIn and you've not yet gotten an invitation, it's coming at some point in 2023. There's only so much time in the day. I can only reach out to so many people at once. But if you've also gotten one, I highly recommend you take advantage of it because you never know. You could, like today's guest, end up on the podcast. Um, I will say I've probably met five or six people that have given me ideas for podcasts and some of them are going to be guests. And today is one of those interviews. Welcome, Roseanne Prim. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been lovely to get to know you. It has been. And, you know, it's interesting. Our conversation, we never know what these, like, out-of-the-blue conversations are going to bring, right? And we immediately kind of got into your story. And I thought it was fascinating. And I thought because of, you know, the number of people who are unhappy in the law or unhappy with where they are, yet they make no changes, Because they, you know, the fear, the worry, the doubts come into play. We worry about failing. We worry about what if. It's the brain loves to go there, right? Into all the bad things that could possibly happen. And we don't learn to manage it. And I think if this is any indication, I had Sarah Cottrell on earlier this year from the Former Lawyer podcast. And it's all about what to do if you don't know, if if you don't think you want to practice law anymore. That is one of my most popular episodes ever. (laughs) Believe it. <laughs> I think it's really sad. Um, and, and I will say this. A lot of people who question and don't know, it, it's not necessarily that the law is not for you. It's the the law as you are practicing or where you are practicing is not for you. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you like me jump off a cliff and leave the law forever and start a whole new business. You don't have to do that. But, you know, you had such a story like this. And you had some really amazing insights around kind of how to overcome some of that stuff, which is why I wanted you on today's podcast. So I'm really excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm glad that my story gave you some ideas and that hopefully it can help others feel comfortable. I'm, I've always been a bit of an open book, much, much to my mom's chagrin. So don't <laughs> <laughs> tell her I'm doing this podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I if I can 
if someone hears what I have to say and it resonates, then like my job's done. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I will say, I'm sure it will resonate with numerous people, but I've always kind of had the impression of if I could just reach one or two people with any one episode, I've done my job. That's the whole point of this, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and quick plug. Uh, <laughs> I listened to your podcast about uh, the managing emotions for the holidays, mm-hmm. literally like as I was working out about to see family and it was fantastic. Thank you Yay! so much for that episode. So. Oh, I'm excited to hear that. Well, I will have to put that in the show notes because I have to, you know, we think of this as a holiday issue because we have to go see our family or we see other people that we don't see regularly, right? That often bring forth drama (laughs) is the best way to put it. And that drama we dread and then we stress out over it. And it's a really big cause of holiday stress, but I think it's more than just the holidays. It's any time we're gathering with people that we're not used to gathering with, that we love, but who aren't necessarily like-minded in every way. <laughs> it would probably sure. be but the easiest way. It was so great. And just like well, helped you. me get in the right brain space. And I was like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm so happy to hear that. And yeah, I'll definitely put a link to that one. And then also Sarah's episode um, for those of you who are interested in the show notes. So why don't we just start at the beginning? Um, give us a little bit of insight of how it all started for you, why you went to law school, why you wanted to become a lawyer. And as you started to get further along, kind of the thoughts that started to trickle into your mind that maybe got you thinking, I don't know if I want to do this. So I am a Columbia, South Carolina native, born and raised, went to undergrad there and straight through to law school. Um, That had always been the plan. Um, I, I come from a line of a lot of lawyers and judges that have all been in South Carolina for a long time. And so once I figured out that I wasn't good at medicine, it was doctor or lawyer, so lawyer it was. And so I, I had taken a, a business law course in undergrad and loved it. And so it was like, great, I'm going to love law school. This will be fantastic. And then I, as I went straight into law school, I started to realize that I might have been a little bit, uh, I might have gone in a little bit blindly, might, maybe not, didn't do enough of my own research and figuring it out. Just like I liked the business law class and I, my whole family's lawyers. So this will be great. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was weird. Um, (laughs) You know, your first classes are all like um, contracts, Civ Pro, all of that. And it was just pretty boring. (laughs) And um, honestly, I was just like, ah, this is, ah. And so, thoughts started to trickle in like have I made the right call but I couldn't possibly drop out because that Mm. had been my thing I could never drop out and one of my good friends from undergrad actually she she sat through two weeks of law school and was like I hate this I'm out I have so much respect for her because I was sitting there like I'm so jealous because I can't everyone expects me to do this and they've been like you're going to be a great lawyer just like your dad just like this judge uncle da 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 and I was like oh my god and then to further complicate things, something that I didn't fully expect um, was I had had a bit of an estranged relationship with my dad um, for a few years, and he passed away my senior year of college. And no one really put two and two together that me going straight into law school without <laughs> having worked through all of those emotions where everyone knew him 
and I was like walking in his shadow every day was probably not a great decision for a 21 year old, 22 year old. Uh Hindsight's 2020. Holy cow. Please don't do that if anyone is in that scenario. But yeah, so I started, I'll be honest, I started spiraling into a pretty bad depression. And I told you previously, like, I, I don't know how I passed some of my classes. Like if I got a C in Grim Pro then, like if I could go back and do it now, I'd crush it. But <laughs> my brain was just not there. And so every time I every time I went into an interview, it would be like, Oh, I've known you since you were two. And I wouldn't recognize this person and I would just be like caught off guard and all of a sudden all these thoughts about my dad mm. and like addiction and stuff like that would just come streaming in and so I would bomb like every interview because I couldn't keep a straight face and I'd be like I what how do you know what's going on and so I I finished law school and barely I I mean I did okay and like from the outside you would think that I was thriving like I was editor-in-chief of a journal I was on SBA I did all the right things everyone thought I was super happy and then when I would actually be like yo I am not okay people were shocked and so I finished law school and was really questioning what I wanted to do and if I wanted to practice. And I had like a weird, I had a weird middle ground in between when I finished law school and my husband was going to finish his PhD. So I knew I had like two or three years of just kind of bluff time. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, sure. Okay. I was honestly just like, fuck it. I'm not, I'm going to take a break from the legal field. Like I've got the law degree. I can always come back to it. Um, I don't know if this is for me. So I started working for PricewaterhouseCoopers in their like management consulting arm for a few years. And it was actually fantastic. Well, it's one of those weird experiences that was like awful and fantastic at the same time because <laughs> I learned so much, but it's like drinking through a fire hose. And like now you look back and you're like, oh, wow, that was great. But at the time, like, mm-mm. Well, um, I, will, I will say this as a wife of somebody who is a consultant. He's, he does SAP consulting and he started in the, what used to be big six consulting, you know, it, it, I think lawyers think they're special in how much we work and how much demand there is of us. No, that, that world is very similar, pretty much the same and sometimes worse. Yeah. <laughs> for what I've and seen. So that fed into some of those like lawyer traits of like perfectionism yep. and overwork and almost like analysis paralysis of like, if you don't know exactly where to start, like you just kind of sit there and freak out. Like all of those traits directly play into consulting as well. And like thriving off of positive feedback, you know, when you like, you can kind of become your manager or director's almost like favorite team member. And then that just, it can spiral and get really unhealthy, similar to the legal field. It's like, it's gold star syndrome that that you want to get the gold star and therefore you're always doing (laughs) everything you can possibly do to get that gold star, which is not healthy. (laughs) Yeah. So maybe like in retrospect, maybe should have pivoted further away from that kind of job in my soul searching after law school. Um, But I learned so much about client interactions and business that I never would have had had I gone straight into legal practice. And so that's actually stuck with me and become really beneficial over the course of my career so far. So I finally, like we moved, we ended up moving up to Boston for my husband's job when he finished his PhD. And it was like the best thing that ever happened. It was a fresh start. 
I, I did a few random jobs just to kind of get my feet under me, but I started having this feeling of like, the legal field is calling me back, but not the mm. traditional practice of law. And I had started after working at in management consulting and watching my husband break out of academia and build his own path and find a career in life sciences. I started to have the courage to be like, no, I can make my own path. I don't have to listen to just what our career services said of like, you're basically going to join an, like join a law firm. You're going to practice whatever they tell you to practice and you become a partner. And that's like, that's, that's the path. That's what you do. Yeah. Um, and like, so I started to realize just how many other options there really were. Um, and it, I mean, of course, it helps that Boston is like a health and life science hub. Mm-hmm. And so I realized I could actually act on some of like my passion areas that were seen as like strange when I was in law school at home. So um, I I left the job that I was in and was studying for the bar exam. And uh, oh, ooh, I think I mentioned this. One of the uh, really great things was my last day at my job before I started studying for the bar exam again was March 13th, 2020. Mm. So fun. So that was terrifying. And I, for the first time in my life, I had like no commitment, no anything, no job. And the bar exam was delayed to October. And so Mm. I like, I, I think in our first conversation, we talked about how like I was always going, going, going and super involved in like all the organizations in high school, undergrad, law school, and even in my job, like I was always in the affinity group da, 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 right. and all of a sudden everything was just like hard stuff Nothing. one day, life done. Um, and it actually really forced me to slow down and like appreciate rest and appreciate spending time with my dog and spending quality time with my husband and friends, not just go, 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 do, 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 check all the boxes, get a hundred and be great. Like build meaningful connections, make a point to reach out to friends that you haven't talked to in a long time. Um, So like, obviously the pandemic was terrible overall for everyone. And there were times when it wasn't great personally, but the force slowing down made me realize like, Oh, okay. Like there's, there's benefit to this and we need to take it easy a little bit. So, okay. couple things before you move on. I'm going to go back to the beginning so that I don't forget. Yeah. One of the first things you talked about was you knew almost immediately after you started law school that maybe you should reconsider or maybe you should at least step back and say, okay, is this what I really want? And this is something that comes up a lot with lawyers and high achievers in general we think we have this path that we create for ourselves that we have in our mind that we're supposed to follow and it's like as soon as you take step 1 you can never get off that path or reconsider or change it slightly which is loadable right there's oh, yeah. a sunk cost fallacy that comes into play and it comes into play really early and the thing that i would i would caution people is we often get those tinglings those thoughts early early on and they're telling you something And we ignore them. And then it gets, it only gets harder. Like the further you go, usually the harder it gets to get off because you've gone even further and you have this excuse of, but I've put so much in it. I've I've invested so much time, energy, money, you know. And anyone you share that with, those thoughts with, 
most people think they're being helpful, but they also say the same thing. Correct. And you're just perpetuating it. It's even worse for people in certain professions like lawyers, because I think our identity gets super wrapped up. I'm a lawyer. I'm going to be a lawyer. And we can't get out of, and we have this vision like you did of what lawyers supposedly are. And it's so hard for us to envision anything else. And so I guess my kind of two cents is really pay attention. It doesn't always mean you're supposed to go like leave law school or no, no longer practice, but it, it's like start paying attention. Start get thinking curious. through, get curious about what it really means. It doesn't mean you have yeah. to take any action immediately. It does mean you have to slow down and like listen to what your thoughts are really trying to tell you and maybe hire some, you know, therapy, coaching, there's all kinds of people. Talk to your spouse, like talk to people who will be understanding and actually fully listen so that you can explore that and figure out, okay, what's really going on and what do I want to do about it? And take intentional action. Because what I will say is eventually it blows up in some way, shape or form and it forces you to take action. And oftentimes when it gets to the point of forcing you, it's not as intentional as you would like it. It's often you don't end up taking the actions you really wanted to take initially because you've got all this buildup of crud that you have to deal with. So that was number one that I, I just wanted to kind of point out that you you mentioned because it's so Perfect. common. Absolutely. And even there, there's like there's research showing that like your your gut instincts and those funny like hesitant feelings. Like that's actually, that's very real. Like there is a direct connection between like your gut brain access. I'm not a scientist, so I'm going to butcher it all. But like, if you have some sort of reservation about something, like, or if you're feeling hesitant, like get curious and lean into it and just Mm -hmm. like figure out what, like kind of like what's behind it and start like looking up what might make you feel better. Cause yeah. If you're like me, like I would start to hyper focus in on like food and drug and medical device law. And I was like, wait, I don't have that weird hesitant feeling when I'm looking at this stuff. Okay. Maybe I like <laughs> what does stuff. that mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do your own little science experiment, basically. Yeah. And I would say when it comes to your gut, I mean, a lot of people, oh, that's too woo. It's really not. I mean, it's what's really happening is your subconscious thoughts are in there. They're just not getting out and they're finding a way to get out. And your gut, like that feeling is some of that speaking and it's manifesting in your body in another way to try to tell you to slow down, reconsider, let it come out and think. <laughs> yeah. And it's not necessarily like abandon it all at all costs, like do a two, full 180, just like think it through. So yeah, I think that's... Yeah. Yeah. And, and we always assume it means, oh my God, mess, I have to leave or I have to... no. It just means step back and take a moment and then explore it and be curious about it. As you said earlier, be curious. That's it. It will help you so much. So there was that. And then you also mentioned the lawyer traits that were not just lawyers. And and I think I'd like to call them, they're high achiever traits, perfectionism, um, overthinking, analysis paralysis, mostly because we want to be perfect. And often we want to be perfect because we're so scared of what other people think of us. We don't want to be seen as failing. We think any mistake or any decision that we then rethink is somehow failing. And it's not, y'all. It's just how we like make decisions. 
I like to tell people, like, you can't get clarity until you take action. Action is what helps you make better decisions because you learn from it. And oftentimes, action means taking a couple of steps in a direction and figuring out, yeah, no, that's not actually what I want and going a different direction. And that's not Mm -hmm. failing or making a mistake. It's taking action to figure out (laughs) what it is that you want. I'm so grateful that I think most of the professional world and the legal field are starting to understand that people need to take those little, like have those little branches off the main trunk of their tree that mm-hmm. is their career. And it's not a bad thing. You're not a, you're not a job hopper. If you did something here and something here, it's like someone saw that you were doing a good job, thought you could be a good fit for this. You explored it, realized, nope, not for me. You came back and you're going further up your tree trunk. And so right. I think, I think there's a whole mindset shift that's happening in the legal field. And maybe, maybe it has to do with some of the, like the old guard retiring and, you know, the whole associate to partner pipeline mm-hmm. kind of breaking down for, <laughs> for better. Yeah. And I think there is a shift. I think it's a couple of things and I don't think it's, I think it's, there's a more of a shift in some areas than others. Like big law is slower in that area. And I'm not saying big law isn't shifting because I do see some evidence of that in clients and and in some of the firms that they're in. But Mm -hmm. it's a little slower and it also depends on the firm. But I think some of this has to do with, you're right, generational issues um, and how we think is just very different. Um, I think the pandemic also, like your point about slowing down, forced a lot of people to slow down. And some people really realized it It was good and bad, I think, and it depends on who. I had clients who it really helped them to reevaluate and they're, they're going after the things they truly want and are changing how they practice and live as a result. I have seen others that kind of spiraled from it and haven't recovered. And they're not clients. Um, perhaps I should be. Some of them might need therapists, though, not me. But they need some help because they they really didn't take to it very well. And I think it depends on the personality and what you need. And because and some of it was, yes, it allowed us to slow down and it allowed us to step back. And that part in some ways was great. But some people need more connection. And it yeah. took that away too. And I actually would like to say, people may not like this, but it wasn't the pandemic that took that away. It was the way we reacted to the pandemic. It was the policies we put into place. And I really hope that we learn from that (laughs) moving forward, because I don't think it was the answer. I think we caused more problems than helped at at the end of the day. And, And I think it's showing up in the mental health stats. And especially I'm the mom of teenagers. So I really am aware of this. And the, the teenage population is not okay. Kind of a mess <laughs> overall yeah. as a result. And I have a 17-year-old who, it, and my kids are doing pretty well, and, and they were lucky because they were able to go back to school earlier than a lot of other kids. I live in Texas, and Texas opened earlier than a lot of other states. But I will tell you, it's really interesting in talking to other parents and in seeing my own kids, they... um some really formative years for my 17-year-old he was robbed of. And he is, as a 17-year-old, much, and his friends, everybody I see at at this age are more like this, even the social ones. And my kids are pretty social, but he's not as social or in the same way than as 
the generation right above and the kids right below. And I know some of that is a generational thing that has changed over time too, but I do see the pandemic specifically having been a result of that because he kind of came of age to where you start thinking of driving and then you start learning to drive in the midst of all of this. And they just see it differently. They don't get out as much. They don't like, it's, it's a really strange phenomenon. And I'm like, we're having to hush him, (laughs) like get out more. Um, and he's That's a really busy opposite. kid. Yeah. You're usually like, why aren't you home? What? You're past I know. You're like, <laughs> And it's not just him. It's like everybody. And seeing his friends and seeing his schoolmates and talking to others, it's overall, this has happened a lot with that kind of age group. There's a two to three year age period of kids where it highly impacted. And I think that shows you because that's that age where you start to develop that independence and you start to develop that responsibility and you start to get out more. But it doesn't just impact kids. It's just more obvious in them, yeah. right? It impacts us all. And so I like I wanted to highlight that because you talked about the yeah. ability to – and there's the pros and cons of both of that, right? The, there were pros and cons, and it was great to step back. I will admit, like, there were times where it was very scary. And mm. I was fortunate in that, like, I already I was already familiar with therapy and understood like could process what I was feeling and could make a point to talk to it with my therapist because we had worked through depression previously. So I Mm -hmm. had a vocabulary. I had a toolkit Mm -hmm. and I could be like, yo, I'm not cool. Let's talk. But I feel for the folks who started to kind of turn inward and not do well and didn't have the vocabulary and didn't have a resource set up to already talk to someone. So like, the, the folks who haven't recovered yet, like, obviously, I don't know who they are, and I can't speak directly to them. But right. like, that's when it's time to get a therapist, because they can pull you out of that. And then you and a professional coach in your actual professional job can help you perform in your job. You got to work through like the fundamental needs. Yes. First. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I would say if if you are struggling and you feel like maybe I'm depressed or I don't know, but I don't feel like I've recovered, you really do need to reach out to somebody. And it's not me. It is and it's not a therapist it's not scary. It's to easy. help you process because the brain gets stuck in itself and all those thoughts and things are on are stuck inside. And you need somebody who's trained to help you get them out in a healthy manner so that you can process them in a healthy way. And then move beyond it. And yes. the best therapists can help you move beyond. They are not the one. I am, kind of have a strong belief that you shouldn't have to see the same therapist forever. Maybe you need check-ins upon, upon occasion. I think we all, like a checkup is fine. But if you are reliant on weekly or twice a month going to a therapist for like five, six, seven years, and you're not actually that much better, perhaps you need, you're not with the right fit for you. Yeah, And it's time to look for somebody else. Because in my mind, therapy should be helping to teach you the tools to be able to 85, 90% of the time get you out of that. And sometimes, and I had um, Nicole Miller on recently, and I will link to her episode too. She talked about lawyer burnout and depression. Mm-hmm. And depression for her is a real thing that she realized she needs to be on medication for. There are all kinds of ways. Like sometimes it's the way the brain is wired and you need something else. It's not anything you do wrong, <laughs> you know? So yeah, you need to see a professional and your first step is to reach out. And unfortunately, no one can do that for you. You yeah. have to take that first step yourself. Nobody can force you to. Now, sometimes people try interventions, but if you're not ready to hear, you won't take that it in. Well. Again, <laughs> 
it's up to you. Even if they force you somewhere into a facility, it's up to you to accept that. It's so, totally up to you what you say in those sessions. So you can yeah. sit there and just be like, oh, yeah, everything's great. And walk right out. Be like, yeah, I went to therapy like you wanted me to. So and there like, are people, you, sadly, who do that because they're too afraid to admit to themselves, much less somebody else, how they really feel. And there is yeah. no shame in it. And it's, you know, the the I like to say we're all given our, like, individual gifts, right? And individuals are made to connect with other individuals. We're made that way. We need human connection. And part of how we connect is by using our special gifts, talents, strengths for the benefit of other people. Those people who are trained that way, that's their gift, talent, strength. They're meant to help you so that you can connect deeply, not just with them, but with others, and then use your gifts, talents, and strengths in the way that you're meant to use them for other people. So... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off on a bit of a tangent, but I think it's an Go important one. So. Yes, yes. So something I wanted to highlight, you did work through depression and therapy mm -hmm. with a therapist. And when you first kind of started, or maybe it was in during the process, you were afraid of slowing down. Yeah. And not, you talked about the typical high achiever traits, go, 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 do, do, do. I think we often use that as a crutch to not have to like face the thoughts and the things going on inside of our head. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So there had been some family stuff going on since I was in like seventh grade that I, our, our approach was just like, we don't talk about it. And so I was like, if we don't talk about it, then if I'm, if I'm super active, then my brain never even goes there. And I don't have a chance to talk about it and no yeah. one has a chance to ask me about it. And so I would just be hyper busy. I would do sports and music and theater. Like I literally look back to like high school and college. I'm like, when did I sleep? Like, did I sleep? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Um, and so I'm actually willing to bet you didn't sleep well. Oh, when you no. did, because what happens when we do that is then our brain, when we, our head starts to hit the pillow, goes into overdrive of trying to push all that crap that's in there out. And then it's really hard to go to sleep. And I'm actually dealing with this with my youngest right now. That's why this is it's so interesting that you mentioned that because he's super busy. He's a very thoughtful person and he's got all these random things that show up and he's having trouble going to sleep as a result. And so we're working through how to deal with that in a healthy way and to be okay. His biggest, where I think most people go is they try to argue with the thoughts. They try to push the thoughts away. They try, which doesn't work very well. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So you, you, you know, you went, went, went forever and then you had to slow down. Yeah. After first semester of law school, like you were supposed to do like perfectly in order to get the good summer law clerk position that would set mm -hmm. you up for the rest of your career. If you didn't, you were screwed. Um, <laughs> that ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, I literally got one seat first semester of one L year and spiraled, and that was what forced my slowing down and like talking to someone because I was like, I will never be a great lawyer because I got a C and contracts, and all these other people got clerkships at the law firm that I really, really wanted to be at solely because I'd worked there in college. Like, no real sub substantive reason for wanting to work there. Fortunately having the resources to call my PCP and her connect me with a therapist who turned out not to be the greatest first choice because she knew my grandmother. And so it actually <laughs> wasn't a great fit. So I was like, I don't want to think about 
this stuff while we're talking it forced like slow down handle some of the like things that were pushed way deep down in within me for years that were bubbling over walking in the halls with my dad dad's mm. memory there and they just like like you said it just like completely bubbled up and I was like I'm not going to make make it through this alive if I don't actually talk through these things and I'm gonna mm. upset people in my family that want me to keep my mouth shut forever but like I'm doing a lot better than them these days and so connecting with the therapist and talking through it 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 really helped me realize that like I just I kept my brain busy so I never had to go there and then there was a time like once your brain goes there you have to learn how to navigate that and navigate mm. your brain with compassion yes and understand feelings and understand that like your first thought isn't always you your first thought can be what you were what you've grown up with and what you were trained with your next thought and your next action are you like how you respond to that um yeah so most of these thoughts and these things that come out they aren't you none of your thoughts are actually you I would say yeah, that's something that is really important. And this is something I say to a lot of my new clients. Go watch the movie Inside Out. Have you seen that movie? I've heard of it. I, have, okay. I don't think I've watched it. Highly recommend it. Okay. It's a really good way to think about how your thoughts work. You have joy. You have sadness. You have these other ones. I can't remember what all of them are. But they are there for a reason. There's actually a purpose for them. And you, it's, it's important to put them in their place and understand their purpose so that you can go there, as you said, and allow the thoughts and the feelings and the beliefs that you've created because of your experiences to come out and examine them in a different way, like really with more curiosity, understanding they are not who you are. Who you are is what you ultimately choose to do with them once you've stepped back and examined them. <laughs> yeah. It's your exactly. actions. And frankly, you can change that because oftentimes what happens is we take actions we don't like because they're very reactive because we're not dealing with these. And so this mm-hmm. is what therapy and coaching both help people with. And it kind of depends on where you are, what you're dealing with as to who's best and who can help you. Yeah. But that's that's really what that is supposed to do is to help you in a healthy way understand, allow the thoughts to come out, allow the beliefs to come out, and then re-examine them and make decisions in a more empowered way. For sure. Some people, like my coping mechanism was being hyper busy, and I think that's what a lot of high performers are. Some people's coping mechanism is re-watching the same shows or redoing the same things over and over. Yep. And like learning to just get comfortable not doing whatever your crutch is, getting comfortable with just hanging out and like having your emotions flow through and mm-hmm. while you're cooking or something, like that's the best thing in the world. Just be able to sit with them and be like, oh, okay, there goes that thought. Yep. Okay. See you later. <laughs> My son Noah, as he started um, to admit, and this is a very recent thing, and, and it's so interesting. It's funny how this stuff happens. Like this is going on in my life with him as we're talking to you and it's all like happening at the same time because this just became, I wouldn't say too late, but much more obvious that it was hurting his ability to sleep at night and leading him down tangents of crutches that were not good for him. And as he's tried to explore the last couple of nights of how to deal with them, he's like, I'm just imagining them 
floating out of my brain in a way. And that's actually okay. Like now that I understand what they are and that they're okay to have them, I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And he just lets them float off. (laughs) That's kind of what you almost said. So yeah. However you can visualize it, just or even one performance coach that was hired through one of my jobs, she was like, you can name them. Like if that voice comes in your head and that thought comes in, you can be like, not now, Felicia. And just like, (laughs) bye, I'll talk to you later, Felicia. And like, it actually helps. Yep. Yep. It does. I I have a client who I recently had a session with a new client and we went through this whole process of this voice inside your head is not you. They're there to tell you something, but they're not you. And so you can imagine them as another person, kind of like the movie Inside Out. And I was like, if you want, give her a name. And she did. She emailed me recently with, hey, I got a name for this. (laughs) (laughs) And it it sounds hokey, but it's true. It really does help. It helps yeah. separate you and allow you, whatever allows you to go there and deal with them in a healthy manner is what you need. And that can yeah. be very helpful for that. For so, sure. okay. So we've been, so you, you opened up, you did, you know, your therapy, you realized you needed to deal with all the thoughts and stop with the coping. And, and a lot of this was, you know, behavior that was almost put upon you as you grew up. This is what happens to us. We get accustomed and thinking this is what you do because everybody else around you does it and we start to do what they do. And you explored, which meant you ate, you were probably able to explore like, okay, now what do I actually want to do? Maybe I don't yeah. want to practice law in the traditional way. So what have you decided? Where are you now? I So yes, I have eventually made my way back to the legal field. I am not practicing in the traditional definition. I'm working within general counsel um, at a large healthcare, academic healthcare facility here in Boston. And it's fantastic because my my client is the hospital system. And I get to interact with super brilliant doctors and nurses and investigators with all this federal funding. But they don't know the law and they don't know the regulations. And it's awesome to be able to help them understand what they would have no reason to know and help them protect their interests, protect the, protect the hospital system, and then use my skills for an overall net good. Even if the day-to-day is a little bit boring, like, you know, you're reading 10 contracts, they all have the same indemnification clause and you're like, okay, great. Slap an addendum on it and send it on its way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that gets boring. But when you step back and think about, I just helped the chief of this division become like have a leadership role in a company that is doing something to change the world like if you Mm. think about it on a deeper level like it's meaningful and if we weren't here then you would have more scenarios of like I don't know how well known this is across like the United States but like the Boston Globe did a huge piece on one of our former presidents having like a not so great financial interest in a company um, Mm -hmm. and that was a big hullabaloo that is the reason our office exists. And I find a great meaning in knowing that we are there to stop that from happening uh-huh. or making or helping guide folks to make their interests not bad, like lessen it or don't join that board or don't do this. Right. So, we're so the not, day-to-day like, day of what a lot of us look at as tedious little things actually yeah. is, it adds up to be meaningful. And that's where you gather your meaning and purpose from in what you do. Yeah. And getting to interact with the physicians and build relationships and see, 
see some of the fellows like their careers grow and as they start mm. they'll have this cool idea and they'll be with their they'll be doing their postdoc and their supervisor and then they start a company and just seeing them move on from their beginnings has been mm-hmm. really fun to know that we helped a little. And I think you bring up a really important point when it comes to practicing law. I hear from a lot of lawyers who say, well, I just don't find any meaning or purpose in this anymore. I just don't, you know, I need more meaning. I need more fulfillment. I need to make a bigger impact. And it's interesting to me that probably 90% of those people, it's not actually a huge change in what they do that needs to shift. It's their mentality around how they view what they do. And not all of them can go there. I've realized, and and I have gotten pretty good in after the first couple of conversations with somebody, knowing whether you're willing and able or in a place where you're able to start doing that or not. You're just not ready. And it's okay if you're not ready, but you need to realize it's mostly a mindset shift. Because, so for example, I practiced corporate finance law for 18 years. I have a huge <laughs> amount of purpose in that, and here's why. Two things gave me purpose. Number one, I was very particular about who I worked for, and I loved my clients. They were amazing people. And I wanted to help make their lives easier and better. That was my job. And so I was really good at not just understanding the law and telling them what the law was, but understanding the business, what was important to them, and how I could integrate the two. So I was more than just a lawyer. I was a business advisor. And I really helped them very quickly navigate tricky issues, answer questions, figure out the right way and how to get stuff done, right? And yeah. and then, of course, know when you absolutely could not do something, right? And why. But and then they know creative. when you actually say no, you mean it. There was a lot <laughs> of purpose that, that I gained from that because I individually yeah. helped these people out on a daily basis. The bigger purpose, though, was most of my clients were lenders, And they lent to businesses that were growing and supporting a bigger staff. And like, you know, and a lot of them were kind of that small to medium business that was growing into something bigger, which is kind of exciting for those companies. We need those companies in this country. We need those, you know, they they provide employment. They provide goods and services that people want and need. And so there was a bigger picture purpose that I could connect to. And the vast majority of lawyers can find that kind of purpose in what they do and yet choose not to. Instead, they drone on about the, oh my God, it's the same old, same old every day, or oh, this is so boring, or this is just not meaningful. Or Okay, well, we need a mindset shift. Yeah. 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 Everyone starts talking about how miserable they are. And it's like, if you just thought about it differently, none of y'all would be this. To think about it, it doesn't necessarily mean a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, you hate litigation go do public interest like this mm-hmm. doesn't have to be that huge of a shift right like, i'm still doing contracts and transactional stuff but i feel like i'm helping people in the long run like if you, if people will literally take the time to sit back and think about what makes them feel fulfilled and how they can use the skills that they got mm-hmm. in their legal training and apply that to what makes them feel feel fulfilled you'll find the perfect mix Right. And it's funny you say, maybe you hate litigation. So like I have a client who hates the court portion of, portion of litigation, doesn't want to go do the in-person litigation, can't stand it, just not her, but loves writing briefs, writing, like she does not mind the writing portion of litigation. So it's not that she hates litigation overall, it's it's that she hates a piece of litigation. And over the course of her career, she's partnered with somebody else who's the opposite of her. 
And so the other partner goes and actually does the court stuff when it goes that way, does the depositions, does all the in-person stuff. She does the behind the scenes writing and stuff. And it's this perfect, like it's worked for them. And so, yeah, there are ways that you can make small shifts and still do what you enjoy without changing everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's an important point that we've made several times now. So I think it's, you know, something most people need to hear, I think. It's, It's not this or this. It's like, yes, you can do this and mm-hmm. like so you're interested in this and you like this not you can do this or this right that that has been a fundamental thing that has helped me reimagine how I want to be a professional so before yeah. I let you go is there any final words of wisdom or anything you'd like to say I'd say honestly like nothing permanent mm-hmm. go adventure go be curious and if something isn't quite the right choice if if you decide to turn around and come back with humility and be like, you know what? I think this is actually right. Like that little adventure wasn't fulfilling. I I think it's all about how you approach the adventure. You know, and one final thing that curiosities come up like numerous times in different ways today as well. And it's something I find really interesting because most people who go into law school start curious. They're curious people and it's why they go to law school. And then somehow we end up practicing and we shut that curiosity off, at least when it comes to us and ourselves, Mm -hmm. and our future, and our careers, and our thoughts. And, you know, it's time to reopen that for yourself, because you are going to have a much more enjoyable and fulfilling life. And I actually did do an episode a while back, I'll have to find it and put it in the show notes on how to be more curious, how to ask questions and become more curious. So I will put that in the show notes as well. Okay, so thank you so much for joining us today. This was a wonderful conversation. I know people are going to get a lot out of it. How can people find you if they would like to connect with you? So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, literally the linkedin.com slash in Roseanne Prim. There's no E in the middle of Roseanne. It's not like the TV show. That is fundamentally important to me. Uh, (laughs) I I will put a link in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you on LinkedIn. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.